You're listening to World Talk Radio, Studio A. want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. The power of water, global warming, climate change, and your health. My concerns and the reason I wanted to have this show around the world is we're living on this planet together. This is a, a planet of a family. And every moment from the moment you were born and you entered in the air you breathe from that water, you begin to have a dehydration. Water is the most important part of your everyday life. Did you know that around the world, 1.1 billion people, and I can never say it often enough, 1.1 billion do not have access to safe water. This is roughly about one-sixth of the world's population and growing every year. And we say we're modern and we know so much. Can we be so smart? I don't think so. Because for some reason, we forgot the source of all life, the species. National Geographic said that water is a species. We forgot. Again, we think we're smart. It is concerning to me that 2.6 billion people in the world do not have access and, and to the water, and 1.8 million children are dying every year, and that is growing every year. Every five seconds, someone's going blind because the air is getting drier, and that means there's not enough water on the surface of the earth, I mean fresh water, not the ocean to put moisture into the air. You must have fresh water on the surface of the earth to put moisture in the air. So each week when you're listening to our show, take very serious what the message is because you must learn to be more proactive. Even though there's pollution in the air, we want to learn to recycle. We want to start learning about the chemistry in our fabrics and our clothing and our dyes and and the certain things that we're eating and the different uh, pro, uh, the preservatives. We want to learn more. But be proactive. Learn more about how to take better care of your health. And then you will learn more about your eyesight and taking better care of your skin and learning more about what is important for you. And once you learn from our guests each week and what I have to offer with my 30 years of research, you will learn proactiveness Take responsibility for your own preservation and bring life back to generations to come and pay it forward because what you learn, you will pay it forward. Our guests each week are taking time away from their very busy lives, and I hope that you appreciate what they're trying, the message they're trying to give you. And, and as you're listening each work, week, you're going to World Talk Radio, Studio A. We're on live from 10 to 11 a.m. West Coast time, and it is archived around the world. And callers may call in to World Talk Radio to, uh, it would be 001-858-268-3068 from around the world. Domestically, 866-613-1612, or go to our website and learn more. Today, our special guest is Dr. Tom Atzett. 
a retired Forest Service ecologist, and he's going to be discussing with us today some of the ecological, ecological myths. And it is a part two because we've discussed this before, but today we're really going to come into this and do what we've called a grand slam on learning to challenge some of these myths that we as laymen don't understand. Our second guest will be Art Bernstein, a naturalist and writer. He'll be discussing the driest place on earth is Chile. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, all natural for dry eyes to supplement what causes the dry air is all lack of moisture. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the natural method of moisturizing your eye. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. You're listening to the Sharon Klein Hour, The Power of Water, Global Warming, and Your Health. Today we have Tom Atzit with us, and I'm really excited. Tom, hello. Good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, good. It's a fine, sunny morning up here in Merlin. Yeah, in Oregon. It is gorgeous today. Uh, isn't it sad about what's happening over in Iowa? Oh, wow. Uh, can You know, uh, here we're saying that we are, water is so important, and, uh, and with your background, give us a feel of... Uh, an education about here, yes, we're getting this abundant amount of water that's causing people by the thousands in the United States to have more water than they imagined. Tell us a little bit about what you think is happening. Uh, people are blaming it on global, global warming, but what's your theory on it? Well, uh, there's probably a truth about what's happening in terms of global warming the, there is more energy in the system, and so it's kind of like looking at a teenager in, as compared to some of us old people who are relatively calm, where this teenager has a lot of energy and they go up and down and they have a lot of extremes that they're going through. So if you add more energy to the system... Now, when you say system for our listeners and myself... Is this the solar system? The, the surface of the Earth. The, the surface of the Earth. And the atmosphere. And the atmosphere with the solar system. Yes, and cer certain things are, are, will happen. Uh -huh. There'll be more evaporation at the oceans. There'll be more uh, water carried over the Earth, mm -hmm. uh, the land. And so when, when you do have something happen... Uh, it'll often be more extreme than we've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And, Tom, you know they've said um, about the 500-year floods, the 100-year floods, and so on. Uh, explain, is that because of that uh, 
behavior, we'll call it, that's happening around the world uh, with the system? Well, it's it's part of it. It's there are cycles. It's it's interesting when you think about global warming and all the controversy controversy surrounding it. Is that there are cycles in the system, and it's been very difficult to. Can I call out. a cycle a behavior? Y- yes, it's okay. like for for instance, a, a woman has a cycle, mm-hmm. and it happens regularly. Uh, sometimes it isn't so regular, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, there are ci- regular cycles in the system, like uh, the most recent ice ages, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to to tease out what the human being may be responsible for in terms of changing the climate, and that's why all the controversy. A lot of people will tell you it is the natural cycles that we're experiencing, and other people will tell you that it's out of the natural cycles, it's above what would be expected, and that it can be traced to putting nitrous oxide and methane and CO2 in the atmosphere with industrialization. Mm-hmm. And the uh, inner, um, the ICPP, the inner, uh, the, the global scientists have feel that they, they are they are 90% certain that uh, some of the global warming that we are seeing today, and we certainly are seeing that, almost everyone agrees on that, uh, is caused by a uh, human being. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's either or. It's There's a, a small part of it that is caused by human beings, and there are part of the natural sti- cycles that we're still experiencing. So like I said, it's always controversial, and it's difficult to tease things out. But generally what we're seeing is more energy into the system causing greater extremes. So you see more tornadoes, more hurricanes, uh, deeper droughts, hotter highs. And so uh, the changes, like I said, it's a, it's a fluctuation like comparing a teenager to, to uh, uh, <laughs> well, Tom, way back in time, let's say we went and interviewed somebody who was 100 years old. In the last 100 years, have they ever seen or heard of anything like this before? Oh, no, not uh, not the kind of thing that's going on now. Mm-hmm. You'd have to go, again, that's another thing that is, you make it controversial, is that if you go back in time far enough, you're going to see some of these extremes. Uh, for example, we're looking at 300 parts per million uh, around that magnitude uh, in the atmosphere now of carbon uh, dioxide. Mm-hmm. And you could go back uh, millions of years and find at least people have projected that there was as much as 6,000 parts per million mm-hmm. at certain times. So you could just say that, you know, uh, you go back far enough, you're going to find anything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like people say about the Bible. If you look hard enough, you're going to be able to support any kind of behavior that you want to uh, support. Now, when the Earth has been cycling for these millions and millions of years, there used to be enormous rivers on top of this Earth. Uh-huh. And abundant amount of water and rivers just gushing. 
And then all of a sudden they depleted and began to diminish. And uh, what we're having today, uh, and, and, I, and you correct me, with my research I have been able to evaluate that 99% is the, the, the behavior of the system, solar system and, and the Earth, the planet Earth with it, and 1% is man, man-caused. In other words, there's enough pollution in the air, problems of the air with the ecosystem of, of industrial or, uh, or human, uh, let's say human behaviors. Uh, what, which would be, where would I be right and wrong? Well, uh... I'm, I'm sure that you're right about the idea that human beings have been involved. As far as the 99 to 1, I don't know. Uh-huh. I would have to ask someone. Yeah, I kept to... tapping into that percentage. Yeah. And um, my wonder, I was wondering, now let's say here in the planet we're living together with and the concerns of the power of water and the concerns of what it will to have our Earth last for eternity. Over in China, in Mexico, some of these areas that are extremely polluted and polluted in the air, where they have bad water, bad sanitation, unhealthy situations for humans to live, and their Earth, their planet right there, but the air is so bad. Does that have an influence with your background? Can you talk to us about that? With the rest of the planet, would that cause an ecosystem influence? Oh, yes. One of the things that I've seen is research in the Los Angeles Basin where uh, air pollutants are high. And like I've mentioned before, nitrous oxide is one of them from uh, exhaust. Is that we've seen, uh, or at least the researchers have shown, that the sugar pine along the, the valley edges where you go up into the national forests have been uh, dying, and the uh, cause of death has been uh, given to the effects of nitrous oxide. So, yes, we've seen uh, at least uh, some species, <laughs> as far as you know, the, the forest ecology that I know of, uh, some species are affected. And also, you know, when you get down into public health and you talk about uh, air that's not clean, uh, there's probably tons of studies that, that I know nothing about because not, that's not my field. But I do know that uh, forest trees around the L.A. basin have, have been uh, affected by uh, the pollutants, air pollutants. You know, when they've had these extreme fire da- problems, I do know there's been a concern not to cut down the dead brush. What is your concern about, um, do you have any comment about pe- uh, uh, not cutting down the dead brush, leave nature the way it should flow? What is, what is your thinking on that? Yeah, yes, I do. Um, it's um, what, what we've seen, like uh, there was a lot of controversy up here in southwestern Oregon with the, with the biscuit fire. And uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, thoughts about the biscuit fire, the reason it was so large, the largest fire in, in North America in recorded times, I believe, uh, was uh, global warming. And uh, there's... Uh, it's one of these things where you could attribute uh, whatever cause you want because we'll never know. 
for sure. And global warming may have been a contributing factor. But generally speaking, fire suppression has been a contributing factor. We kept the fires out. And it's like if you were a kid, have you ever put your thumb on the end of a hose and turned it on really slow and tried to hold it? And, yes, I have. <laughs> and, and pretty soon yeah. the pressure is going to build up. And it isn't a trickle that comes out when you leave your thumb go off. It just gushes out. So by suppressing the flow, we've increased uh, the pressure. So I've lost you now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question there uh, because you're a scientist in your field. Uh, when you say suppressing the flow, uh, if, we, if we leave the dead brush there and not cut it down, to, are you saying that suppresses the flow? No, Which by one is taking, keeping fires out of the system, it's kind of keep, like keeping your thumb on the end of okay. the hose. Okay. And when a fire does occur, and when the water does come out of the hose, it just goes like crazy. It's, uh-huh. not, it's no longer a trickle. That's the analogy I'm trying to use. Okay, okay. And so now that we see the, the fires, uh, it's kind of like uh, being a, a system corrected. And so a lot of the stuff that normally wouldn't have died is now dead. Mm-hmm. So I do not have any problem of taking some, some of the materials off, and I'm talking about trees and brush, as long as we don't overdo it. Well, my concern, and I've done not, and don't ever misunderstand me, listeners, Tom is the scientist in his field. In my field with water therapy and hydration, dehydration, and Earth's existence with water and moisture to live, is I've been concerned about through the years of if you don't cut down the dead brush, that draws the insects. The insects feed onto the wild animals, and all of a sudden you have a very unhealthy forest area. Well, the, it, you... Uh... What will usually happen here, like take south, uh, southwestern Oregon where we both come from as an example, the fires come through and they're like a cleansing mechanism. I know you think that way. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that uh, it thins out the trees and the ones that remain are healthier. Okay. And they're resistant to insects and diseases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and that kills, that comes in and does, it, it's, it's kind of like Tom over in Iowa, uh, with your field, uh, they've had this enormous amount of rains. And I guess the Mississippi is coming up and causing a threat to Missouri area mm-hmm. and uh, today. But with those rains coming along and these enormous aquifers below the surface filling up, and that's, of course, why we have flooding, because there's no place for it to go. It just goes deeper on the surface. Um, is the fact that uh, is there's something there in the ecosystem that has to replenish itself. Is that well, what you're thinking, too? Well, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Because uh, what it's almost, uh, I never attribute uh, purpose to, to ecosystems in the sense it's being what we call teleological. Okay. And uh, so when I think of what's going on in the Iowa and the places that are flooding, I go back to what we were talking about before. Okay. Is that there's more energy into the system, and because of that, we're going to have uh, greater extremes. And one of those are the amount of, of water that's taken up into the atmosphere and precipitated 
uh, down into the ecosystem. And, what, and, what, and let's help our guests again, because this is such an educational show. So let's say our ecosystem has an, an, a lot of man-made pollution from China to Mexico and around the world, and, 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 and let's say in Los Angeles and different places in the world, there's a lot of pollution in the air, and we, we complain about it as people, but it's also affecting the solar system, it's affecting our planet around our planet. Um, so would that be a term that you've said, too, that would be a lot of influence to a, what we're calling global warming? Yes. And okay. so if, if you're looking at... We really need to get a real, and we're calling them some myths, but if everybody is confused, you know, look at the scientists that are even going back and forth with a little bit of debate, uh, quite a bit of debate, on what is a fact, because this is something uh, very unusual to everyone yes. uh, in, our, in our times of, of our era. There's... So before we go on our break, we explain real quickly what global warming description means to you, and then we'll come back and we'll dive into that. Well, like, I, uh, like I've said a couple of times, I think that the major importance of global warming is the increasing amount of energy into our Earth's systems. Okay, energy into the system. Yes, an increasing amount, and it increases surface temperatures of the oceans as well as surface temperatures of the immediate layers above of air above the ground. Okay, when I come back, I'm going to ask you something about the ocean. We're going to take a moment, and uh, Tom will be right back, but we'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Tom, I'm going to ask you something about the ocean's influence, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, the ocean is coming up. Uh -huh. And uh, our fresh water is going down. Is, does the ocean have a tremendous amount of influence on uh, the effects of our global warming? Oh yes, it's a it's a heat sink, and yeah, you uh, said heat sink. Well, it absorbs the heat. It's it, it, if you've uh, think about our area in northwest southwest Oregon, and the the closer you are to the coast, the lesser the differences in, in summer and winter temperature. And the reason is, is because the ocean is a moderating influence on the temperature. It absorbs the heat and it releases heat. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a heat sink and a heat source. And so the now let's just explain to our listeners what you mean by sink, because we had recently Art Bernstein was explaining the sink of an area. Uh, what do you mean by sink? Well, it's, it, uh, it it absorbs and holds uh, the the like a sink that you would think in your yeah it's in your of, kitchen it's or like a storage. A okay, storage there we go. Mechanism. Mm-hmm. So you were thinking of the ocean as a heat sink. Yeah, it it stores heat and it gives off heat. And so if you're close to the ocean, mm-hmm. uh, the temperatures are moderated as compared to inland, where we usually call it a continental climate, that there's greater extremes uh, during the seasons and between day and night. Mm-hmm. But if, if you live in uh, Crescent City or Eureka, which is on our northern coast uh, of California, uh, the temperatures don't get very hot in the summer and they don't get very cold in the winter, and the ocean is the, uh, the mechanism that is moderating that, uh, those temperatures. So it releases... Does it act as a filter system by chance to, this, uh, to our Earth? Uh, filters, uh, yes. There's a lot of, uh, just like a lot of the uh, organisms on the earth, mm-hmm. uh, bacteria and fungi okay. and uh, a lot of the lichens and mosses uh, and similar organisms in the ocean act okay. as filters. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Now, let's go on to something fascinating here. Tell me the difference with the influence of the ocean when the sun is up and, or the moon is up. You know, I'm not. That sure is not your world. Not okay, to, that's not okay. Not sure what to say. Because it's got to have an influence. Oh yeah. With where the sun is setting and where the moon is setting. I was up in Canada recently on business, and I, I was just shocked, and I'd forgotten how high the sun sets until you know it does not get dark right this time of year until later in the evening. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Well, and, then, and then I was wondering by an evaluation here, what would be the evaluation? Let's say you're up in Canada or you're up in, in, in Antarctica and different parts of the world where the sun is coming down later and then there's a moon that comes along uh, at a t- cycle. Uh, that's what I was curious about, if, that would, if the ocean has an influence on that. No. The, uh, that all has to do with the, uh, the geometry of the Earth, Moon, and Sun and where they are in relation to one another. Mm-hmm. And it also has to do with how far the Earth, Earth is tilting. So the Earth spins kind of like an axis mm-hmm. uh, with an a- axis through the metal, an axle through the metal thing. Right, you spin right. it, but it also tilts, and that's what gives us our seasons and so in the, the, the uh, furthest tilt is 23 and a half now, degrees. Tom, Tom, would the moon have an influence on the ocean at all at different times of, of the cycle? Just the, just the tides. Okay, just, just the, the tides. Of the now, what about the sun? Because we're talking global warming. Well, and the, uh, would the sun have any influence on the ocean? Uh, as far as the heat, yes. The heat, okay, there we go. And so, uh, those so if we're having a global warming that is a change uh, and a climate change, that is all being affected. Uh, yes, uh, 
global warming, but it's not so much to do with the sun because uh, the amount of energy coming from the sun, sun is called the solar constant. Okay. Although it's not constant, okay. it varies. What's happening as far as the amount of heat that's remaining on the Earth is because of the greenhouse gases that are trapping this energy. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were talking about earlier. There's more energy in the Earth's atmospheric and oceanic and terrestrial systems, so it's behaving differently than it used to. Yeah. Now, over in Argentina, uh, the government is suggesting that people not be outside more than three hours a day because of the ozone layer. Uh-huh. What is your evaluation on that? Well, the ozone layer is supposed to be thinning, and the la- I haven't read a- anything about that for about a decade, and there is an ozone hole that has never been there before over the um, um, Antarctic uh, area, so that there are areas where there is uh, the ozone is getting thinner. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that there is going to be more ultraviolet or high-energy rays getting through that cause a sunburn or skin cancer. Mm-hmm. So is that our solar heat that we're using uh, here in America, the solar system heat, um, is, uh, is they, have it, uh, they have it more than we have because of that ozone layer being depleted? Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm not up to date on the, That's okay. of the layer. Yeah. But, I, but you're giving us a theory. The last, the last that I've read about that is that the layer is thinning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go into something that is really in your field. Uh, Before we go on, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and where you came from, why you chose to. You've really been on a mission with what you've done. Uh, Many years ago, you chose to get into forestry and tell us a little bit about your background so that we they can understand what you've been where you where you're coming from. Hey, I've, I've always been interested in forestry and ecology, mm-hmm. and uh, I've always been interested in science. Mm-hmm. And my major mission is to combine those two things mm-hmm. in a way that I try to take out agendas, uh, which may be, you know, cutting more timber or cutting less timber uh, when it has to do with forestry or take out a, uh, any kind of agenda, political agenda, uh, because I've always been asked uh, in the job I did for the Forest Service to be a staff person and a person that provided information. Mm-hmm. And I might have told you that when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, the old-time gunslingers used to ride into town and shoot up the town and have a few drinks and ride out. <laughs> Okay, and that's kind of what I did. Is well, you're very was, strong-minded about uh, what you've learned in your many, many years. Yes, I just... You've been at this since uh, 1974? Yes. Yeah, so you're not new at this. No, I just write into town, so to speak, provide information, you know, and it's not my responsibility to develop policy or make decisions. I just leave the best information I possibly can and write out of town and let the policymakers <laughs> and politicians have fun with that. Well, the politicians have confused things. Well, and they I'm have. going to be a little blunt about it, too. I get a little 
disturbed because people are so wanting to learn more than ever in history. People have the availability to go in and study and evaluate, be proactive about what they're wanting to learn, and learn that not everyone uh, is, is as open-minded as you, Tom. They're wanting to sway you a direction right. that uh, they believe is a very extreme direction to get you to be alerted to something that is serious to them. And I'm the first to say it's making a lot of people foundation money, grant money, donation money. It's really bringing in a lot of money, Tom, to be extreme. Yes. Uh, my, my reason behind this show is getting people to be more proactive about their own personal health along with this. In other words, we know it will take time to clear the pollution. It will be takes time to... Uh, make have healthy for us. It takes time to recycle and learn more. It will it will happen, but the personal health can happen very quickly if you're willing to learn how to live with the earth, knowing the earth is not going to choose to live with us. I wanted to ask you. You say over in uh, some of your notes that uh, humans are not part of the natural ecosystem nor are their effects. Explain that to me and your audience. Well, that's what I was talking about as being a myth. We are part of the system, and just like we talked about earlier, our influence uh, is felt, and Mm -hmm. global warming is one of those things. Like we said, almost everyone agrees now that human beings have played a part in warming the planet. And I, I get. In other words, you mean, in other words, because of the, uh, like the, the smokestack and, and the certain things that have happened on Earth to sure. not replant the forest and, uh, the, uh, industrial side of different countries of the world that are not taking uh, it serious, that the pollution in the air. That's what you're talking. Yeah, so yeah. that. That's the human side. Yeah, and, and we are part of the system. We depend on it providing us with important things, and you mentioned two of the most important things. According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, humans need, human beings need clean air, they need clean water, and they need food, and they need some sort of safety. Those are the basic needs, and the ecosystem, if it's functional, will provide all of those things. But when we start polluting the air and don't have clean air, don't have clean water, can't produce the food that we need, then we start suffering from it. And that just shows you that it it is a myth when people say, oh, we're smarter than the system, Uh, we can take care of everything. There's the word that I get so concerned about, how people, uh, you know, I've said many times, Tom, I'm not smart, and, and people look at me like I'm almost trying to get them to react. And I want myself to hear that i want others to know how could we be smart enough tom there's so much to learn every moment in fact you've said it other scientists have said it i've said it every moment is a change yes and you've said too every moment other uh, people who are really into studying and really understanding the concerns of our life to last for eternity know that every moment is a change but welcome it there's a change um, when we're talking about our ecosystem and this earth and our health, the forest needs to be healthy. You know, I often say we're so, so-
so grateful on this earth as a family of earth to have the strength of the mountains, the protection of the mountains, uh, that we have the forest, all that there is there. But with, I always put water first, Tom, because without the water, there would be uh, no oxygen in the air. Right. In fact, Tom, stop and think about this one to get, uh, at the closure. Without water and moisture in the air, how would the satellites and all the electricity eventually be able to penetrate the earth and be able to turn it on? You've got to have moisture in the air to turn on the electricity, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, I guess. Someday you'll become a Mars and no electricity if it's too dry. Well, I'm not the whole sure earth about is that, dry. But, but I, you know, when you talked about uh, water and air, the reason I put air first is because if you took away a person's air as compared to t- taking away water, uh, no, I'm talking about what the water, that when you have water on the surface of Earth, it puts moisture into the air. Okay. And that's and, what I'm talking about. And uh, because without that moisture in the air, you get so dry. And that's why different, like they're saying in Mexico, I was so surprised recently at the extreme pollution there and the illnesses there because the air is so dry. And also every five seconds, someone's going blind on our Earth. And it's getting worse. So there's, uh, you know, it's because there's not enough moisture in the air. Yeah, that's that's certainly part of it. And the earth has been cooling and drying since it was formed. And so we will see this continuous continuous cooling and drying. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not at a fast rate, but it is a noticeable rate if you look at, you know, um, fossil records and and other proxy measurements that we could take so that we do know that we are cooling and drying. Do you believe, and we'll have to go and we'll do this again, because this is something, our listeners are growing every month, and it is so exciting by the growth worldwide. Tell us, as you close here, what you think all of us should be considering that would be a thought to kind of, for the earth to be for eternity. Tom, I think the word eternity for our earth is exciting. What would, what would, what would be here for the earth to be for eternity? For all life to be here for eternity? I think that probably when we, we, like scientists, get together and talk about some of the more important things, is that we have to maintain the diversity of life. So one of the things that we might think about is, and that's what has been going on with the spotted owl. What is our canary in the mine? In other words, the miners that, that took a canary down with them, if the canary died, they knew they better get out of there because the atmosphere was not hospitable. So that, that's when people talk about the canary in the mine. Uh, I never heard of that. Hmm. But we have a lot of those things that we could look at, many factors that we could look at to see whether or not we're treating the earth well enough that we can survive for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, the most important things that we need to think, keep track of is the diversity of life, and we need to make sure that we're maintaining the diversity of life. Mm-hmm. And most scientists agree that that is one of the most important things, and it will tell us a lot about how we're treating the planet. Wonderful. What a wonderful planet and life, and you've given your life to it. Tom, thank you again for taking, uh, giving us your time and your thoughts. 
And I hope you'll do this again one day because we, I know our listeners learned a lot today. Okay. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Tom, thank you for being with us, and you have a very special day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Well, our earth is a family, and I'm a believer that uh, this is a, a time of life for all of us to join. And when you learn to take better care of your personal health, you'll also be paying it forward to concern yourself with other people's health, their lives, and the planet Earth, living here together. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears Eye Mist, for all for the what we've been discussing for supplementing your eyes. It is green. It is environmental. To supplement your eyes like you've applied your lip balm, you put your sunscreen on, you brush your teeth, you take vitamins, but now every day you're going to supplement what the air isn't giving you, the moisture you're going to supplement with Nature's Tears Eye Mist. We're going to listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Art. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water, global warming, and your health. And you just listened to Dr. Atfit who believes that you need to learn more about the real system of our, uh, the ecology of this Earth's planet, uh, living with the solar system and your participation with it, and uh, don't let the myths get to you. Be open-minded. Today, Art is going to be discussing with us the driest place on Earth is in Chile. Art, are you with us? I'm here. Thank you for joining us again. Tell us a little bit about your background so our listeners will know where you're coming from with your um, background. Master's degree in forestry, bachelor's degree in anthropology, 14 books published on uh, hiking trails, mm-hmm. and uh, a friend of Tom Atzis. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I appreciate you. Each, I have ever met in my life. Each time you come with us. On, you teach us so much more, but today you wanted to t- uh, teach us about the driest place on Earth in Chile. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, Death Valley, which is the driest place in North America, gets about an inch and a half of rain a year. Uh, the Atacama Desert in northern Chile uh, averages about an inch every ten years. And there are some places there where rain has never been recorded ever. Now that is... um, So they get like one-tenth the amount of rain that Death Valley gets. And that's in Chile. 
Yeah, it's in uh, between the high Andes and the uh, Pacific Ocean. On the now, it, Chile has one side can be the ocean, the most beautiful place to vacation, and another place you can go, what, an hour away, and you can have the snow-capped mountains and go skiing, but they also have the driest desert and, and only one inch of rain every ten years. Yeah. Um, well, the weather in the southern hemisphere... Our weather goes from west to east. Their weather goes from east to west. So you have I'll all explain these that. I, I explain what that means to our listeners and a layman. One goes east to west, another so one. The weather goes system. If you look on a, if you if you watch the weather in, in the United States, you can see that all our weather starts in the Pacific mm -hmm. and moves eastward and you know, ends up in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Not all of it, but like 90% of the weather systems all start uh, in Canada or in Alaska or in California. So our, in the United States, in this continent, our weather is influenced by a cycle coming from the north, which is up in Canada. Right. And that in the north northern part of our continent. But the weather systems all start from the west and move east. Okay, so in Ch Chile, then they're influenced by what directions? They're the they're in the southern hemisphere. They're below the equator, and okay. they're the exact opposite. Just the opposite. The weather systems start in the east and move west. Well, what happens is you have the Amazon basin, and that's where all the rain goes. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the reason the Amazon gets so much rain is because at the end of it is the Andes Mountain, which is a 2,000-mile-long mountain chain full of 19 and 20,000-feet peaks. And, it, and, and, and how high are the, some of those peaks? The highest is uh, 22,000 feet. Uh -huh. But there's a lot of them that are like 19 and 20. Now, so we can, uh, with our uh, listeners listening, where is the highest mountain in the world? And what is its peak? That's Mount Everest. That's 29,000 feet. Okay, That's and in over in Chile, it's 20,000 feet. Right. Well, yeah, okay. The mountains east of the Atacama Desert, that's the highest mountain is uh, 21,000 feet. Okay, now the desert that's so dry is, now I'm just going to do some uh, theories of my own evaluations because of my field. So would I guess that that is, the, because it's the driest desert, that that particular area is going to be so dry that uh, that would be the oldest section of their continent? Is that dry extreme? I don't think so. I think it's, it's just, just geological conditions. But it's so dry, there's no microbes in the sand. There's no moisture in the sand. And when they uh, want to practice uh, what it's going to be like on Mars, Oh. That's, that's, that's where they go. That's where they take their little rover vehicles. But how many on. millions of years would that be, that desert, compared to the rest of Chile? Um, I don't think that's a factor. I don't think Okay. Uh, I know that well, it, it, it has to do with the Andes. On one, there's, It's not only the high Andes immediately to the east. To, it's the widest part of the Andes. Okay. So uh, not only are the mountains 20,000 feet, it's also like the range is like 500 or something. Now, what is the, how many miles of it? How many, how, what is the existence? Okay, well, let, let me tell. Okay, okay, then just east of that, there's a, a high plateau that does get a little rain. Mm -hmm. And then it drops down into the Atacama Basin, which is like 
50 miles wide and 400 miles long. And then there's another little small mountain range. Mm-hmm. So any weather that does come in off the Pacific gets trapped by the little, the, the small mountain range. Okay. So there are there are coasts along there are cities along the coast in that area that do get a little bit of rain. Mm-hmm. And in fact, just south of the Atacama, where Santiago is, uh, the capital of Chile, San, Santiago is right uh, in, in front of the highest mountain in the Andes, and its climate is uh, what they call Mediterranean. It gets like. Uh, and then on the other side of the mountain is this desert. Right? Well, Santiago is on the same side as the desert's on. Oh, my goodness. But it gets much more rain, even now, there though goes, but, uh, there's a 20,000 foot high mountain. Okay, that, that is absolutely fascinating. Huh. Uh, so the, uh, the desert area, does it have much influence on the ecology of the surrounding uh, country of Chile? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it would. So if Chile, is it having any problems with drought, waters? Is it, did you, when you were studying any of this, did you notice anything uh, that they were uh, having problems well, with? Well, most of Chile is pretty dry in, in, until you get way south. And, and uh, except for on the edge of the, where the Amazon is at? Uh Chile is all uh, west of the Andes, so Chile doesn't go into the Amazon. Oh, okay. Now, if you go north of the Atacama, you're in Peru. Mm-hmm. And Peru, uh, the coastal areas are semi-deserts, and then it goes up into the Andes and then drops down. And so Peru also includes part of the Amazon basin. Okay, there we go. But, yeah. uh, but Chile doesn't. Chile is all... Mm-hmm. west of the uh, the Andes range. Mm-hmm. And does that have any uh, influence on Brazil? Oh, I'm sure it does. I was going to say it would Well, the, the Andes, so. the, the Andes sort of, mm-hmm. all the moisture that's moving east to west mm-hmm. um, gets trapped by the Andes and all gets dumped into the Andes. Now, what is their normal, I don't know how much you were able to study before you got to this subject, or did, what is their normal climate? Let's say they have a season that's summer. Do they get very hot in the summer? Well, actually, they have uh, summer is their cold season, and winter is their warm season. Okay, and the winter, what are their normal temperatures? Uh, I think uh, well, like Buenos Aires, which is on the Atlantic side. Uh, has you know, it, it, it'll get to 80, 90, 100, whether it's same so it's just, ours. it's not unusual. are a little warmer than... Uh, it's like in other parts of the world, like in yeah. India and over in Iraq and different parts of the world, it can be 140 degrees. Yeah. Now, so they're uh, not getting any of that. What is the coldest in the... Are, are both tropical. What is the coldest in the wintertime then? The coldest, oh, well, Tierra del Fuego, which is also uh, part of Chile. Mm-hmm. That's the southern tip of South America and Cape Horn. Mm-hmm. That gets truly nasty weather. But then you get into the uh, the southern uh, ocean currents in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So is there ocean about like the Pacific Ocean in temperature? Well, we've talked about the southern ocean where the, the currents just sort of circle around uh, the Antarctic continent. Mm-hmm. 
and, and the, the water is much colder than the Atlantic or the Pacific. So isn't that fascinating? They ha- Chile has the driest place on Earth, and yet the surrounding country is very almost normal. Yeah, well, Tierra compared- del Fuego is like 2,000 miles to the south of uh-huh. the Atacama Desert. Mm-hmm. So that means land of fire. So, mm. I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, I read an adventure novel once that took place uh, in Tierra del Fuego. Mm-hmm. That's how I know about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been not all fiction. Uh, it was a great novel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I will let you go, and um, I really uh, I think that was fascinating uh, to learn the driest place on Earth, and yet around that area of Chile and the countries around it are not really so influenced by the driest place on Earth. No, well, there are there are also cities uh, in the Atacama, but they're you know fed by rivers and oases that, that cut through it. Isn't that fascinating? Oh. It's, it's not, I mean, there are places that, that aren't as dry. Well, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I enjoyed it very much. You have a nice day, Art. You too. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Well, we're learning a lot, and uh, I do believe that we need to learn that our Earth is a family together, all of us. And as we learn more to pay it forward, to live in this era and generation of time, we're learning a lot. But I need to stress the power of water and your personal life. I hope you're drinking 8 to 12 glasses of water a day, not just sipping, glasses of water. Start your day. Remember you're made up of 60 trillion cells. And as one of our uh, doctors said, in each cell the water is a galaxy. You are a galaxy all by yourself. Outside the body, you must have moisture to breathe, moisture to live. That lubricates you. If it's too dry, like indoor conditions, insulated windows and walls are very dry. There's no moisture. Forced air, heating and cooling, and all of the chemistry in your indoor conditions. Remember, you need to think about drinking water and supplementing your moisture in the air. Remember, your life is as important to you as it is to those around you that love you, and you're part of the ecosystem. Every five seconds, somebody is going blind. Children and people all over the world are having to carry water just to exist. But without vision, how could they carry the water? I was talking to someone from World Vision recently and uh, around the world, the different groups and Water Aid of America and, and uh, Infancy Group, and they were everybody was saying there is so much to learn. Everybody is agreeing. You can't know enough. Listen well. I've been invited and I've been on some TV talk shows recently. One was in Tampa Bay with Holly Sin on Channel 10. Uh, I was on one with your life, A to Z, in Phoenix, Arizona, with Lisa Hafner. I've been on Great Day Houston with our host, Christina Terrellis. Good Morning Texas in Dallas with Amy Vanderhoof. And we could go on and on in Seattle, in Portland, and around, and we've been discussing the same thing, your health, your proactiveness, 
your preservation to live and concern yourself with that importance. I want to thank you for listening. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. And I know Tim Russett didn't either. Have a nice day. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A.